All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome back to another edition of the DFO Rundown, episode number 12. I'm Jason Greger, Frank Saravalli. With us as always, uh, the Dirty Dozen today, Frank. How you doing? Six weeks goes by fast. It does. And uh, of course, uh, Fridays, we've turned into a little bit of a talking about all that's going on around the NHL. We'll have some other, uh, we might have to have Frank's food thought of the week. Uh, anything that you, uh, anything that you cheated on this week, Frank, uh, how's it going? We talked about it last week. So uh, uh, let's see. have you dropped the LB or not? What's going on? No, I have definitely not. Um, went out to dinner last night, got the old cheese fries appetizer coupled with uh, a little blooming onion at Outback Steakhouse. This is not a paid advertisement. Uh, Yeah, neither one of those two things in addition to a 10 ounce steak are gonna gonna help the waistline. So yeah, nothing good to report. And I'd prefer if we never do a Frank's food of the week again or whatever it is, because it's just pure shame. Well, what we could do is you could be like Frank the Tank off of old school and we just see you running down the street (laughs) after dinner. Hopefully with clothes on. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that would probably be better for everyone in the neighborhood, but it would just be, you know, if you go out for dinner, just have a good, what the plan is you go out for dinner somewhere where you can walk home and then you have a brisk walk home and then you're fine. Yeah, I just don't live near any restaurants, so maybe that is the plan. Oh man. Well, that's, that's just not good planning. That's not good. Like there's no, (laughs) there's like no pubs you can stumble home from. No, nothing I can walk to. Nope. Oh, geez. But I'm telling you, like in our neighborhood, we're celebrating because there's this new pub that's just opened up. Like, because when you get old and you get married, you know, it's not like I'm going out to the bar very often anymore. So you need a neighborhood pub that you can go to. And then you, it's close enough that you can walk home. So you never have to drive. And they've just opened one. There's like one of those new little complexes that comes in. It's got like a gas station, a liquor store, and, but there's like a pub. And I think the group text message and all our neighbors where we just can't wait till that thing's open. I think it opens up in three weeks and they'll, they'll be crushing it for business because we're just starved to go do anything. Yeah, I know. And, and, you know, the one thing I've learned as I've gotten a little older is I, I, the value of day drinking, like oh. on a weekend, if you can start by like 12, one o'clock and be done by five. You don't feel like hot garbage the next day in bed by eight or nine. Like it's perfect. Well, you must, you've been to England. I, I have been to England. Yep. Cause uh, the first time I went, I went uh, with a good friend from school and 
We go there. We end up going to a Chelsea game, which is just a whole other experience. It was unreal. But the first time I went to the pub, it's like seven o'clock. They're like, hey, we're going to the pub. And I'm like, what? Seven o'clock? Well, you go there and they're crushing beers and I can't crush beers like they did. So I was hurting the first day. But then the next day we went and I got them to drink rye, which they never did. But it ends at midnight. So you're buckled. Everybody's in bed by like 1230 and they're all up at eight o'clock. And you're like, well, now I see it. Because in, in, at least in Canada anyway, like the bars are open till three. You know, it last calls at two. You still have it. And you're just like. You're staying up late. Then you go have some late night donair or whatever. You're not getting home till four. Of course you can't get up and function in the morning. So the key is to start early and end early. Yeah. But like, I'm talking end in the afternoon, oh, not yeah. like, not even like midnight. Like I'm talking like five o'clock hard cut off, eat dinner and go to sleep. Oof, Jesus. Yeah. I don't have that discipline when I, if I get on a train wreck, I like to at least last for a bit. <laughs> Well, like it's, I think a lot of it, like, it's just, it's been by accident with golf. Like you play in the afternoon, have a few beers and then that's it. Like, like you got to get done, like no hangover the next day. Uh, you know, that's, that's all I'm trying to avoid. I, I know that's like, I sound so insanely old when I say that, but there's nothing worse than that feeling. Uh, well, the hangover is a bad feeling. Luckily, even in my prime, I, I never had bad hangovers. Thankfully, do you have a hangover aid? Like, do you, if you if you did get one, what do you oh, like? Beer, your... beer and clamato. Uh, do you guys have clamato juice? We actually do, like somewhat recently. Uh, okay. So, you, so you like a good red eye? Oh, to, dude, to I'm telling off. you, like, I would be a little foggy. I would have one, sometimes two. And now granted, I only drink red eye with like the bad beer. Like I know I'm Canadian, but Molson Canadian is the worst. I don't like that beer at all. I just think it's garbage. So um, usually if I ever had one of those hanging around the house, I would use it with the red eye because then it's not about the taste. It's just about getting the Clamato in me. And I would have one or two of those. Always has to be a lager. Can't have an ale with Clamato. And I'm telling you, man, I was unreal. I'd go to the gym right after. I'd have one or two. Oh, oh, oh my God. Go to the gym after? What is oh, wrong yeah. with oh, you? You never had a good sweat out after a hangover? Uh, like maybe in a sauna. I'm definitely no. not doing anything physical. I, like I'm I half to, dead. Oh, we used to go on Saturday afternoon at like four o'clock oh. after a Friday night because then we could go out again Saturday. It felt like, you know what? Now I don't feel guilty. But like, I think my problem is now I, it must just be me, but it lasts like two days if I get a really bad one. Well, let's go to uh, who's maybe uh, hung over for trades. I don't think fans ever get tired of talking about uh, trade talk. And, and every week it seems to uh, to have a few different uh, partners in and out. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, Frank. The minute Daryl Sutter got uh, hired in, in Calgary, I felt like that was a potential new lease on life for Sam Bennett. And uh, now he's on a very specific line, which is what Daryl Sutter does. Jared Stoll told us on the podcast how he comes in and tells everybody, this is your role now and he makes the player feel important. And so he's been on a, on the same line ever since. And, you know, he's a hard nosed player. He's probably a bottom six player at this point. You don't have him on your uh, trade bait board now, but if Calgary's not in it by April 8th, 9th, 10th, do you think Bennett gets moved? I think there's a chance. Um, you know, the key is, is Calgary willing to, to eat some of the contract. And I think that's going to be a big part of the Sam Bennett deal. If, and when it happens, because he is a proven playoff player. And that is one of the reasons why they hung on to him. I, I think that's one reason. I think the other reason is that Brad tree living, wasn't going to have a player dictate what happens. Um, they wanted to make a clear stance and stand that, they're going to determine who's traded and when, and it wasn't going to be the other way around. And so with Sam Bennett uh, at 2.55 million, you know, the fact that he's an RFA helps. And I think that's one of the big sticking points. When you look at our trade bait board and you look at, there's a lot of UFAs on there, but if you look at some of the players that do have a year or two or more remaining, those teams are not willing to retain salary because they don't want that number on their cap moving forward. So that's going to be a big push and pull uh, with some of these players. And, you know, with Bennett being an RFA, that helps. But still, at 2.55 for a bottom six forward, if that's what you believe he is, that's a bigger number than you'd normally want to eat. So it, if the Flames are indeed out of it and they've got some work to do, uh, the math certainly isn't in their favor, then, you know, they're going to have an interesting decision to make and they could probably uh, – you know, make it worth their while if they were willing to eat some money. 
So now let's stay in the north and then we'll, because we started there and we'll move around. You look at the, you know, Ken Holland made it very clear. He's looking for difference makers. So to me, there's two obvious answers in Edmonton. It's a second pair left defenseman mm-hmm. and a second line left winger to play with dry sidle if Nugent Hopkins stays with McDavid. Those are the two spots. You look at, at guys who are, who are pure left winger. I don't see a lot uh, that are pure UFAs. Well, no, I don't either. And, and that's the thing is, you know, I believe that they're not interested in the, the rental market, um, that it, it would probably have to be a hockey deal that makes sense, given that they don't have the draft picks to be involved in the rental market. They'd probably have to trade a prospect in order to get someone that they're looking for. And, you know, then the next question is how deep into your prospect pool do you want to dive given that, you know, you've got some pieces on the way. And by the way, Bakersfield has looked really good and the numbers there have been really good from their players. Um, You know, it's, it's an interesting scenario that the Oilers are in because I just don't know that this year makes sense to dive in and and do it. You want to sell to, to Connor McDavid and to Leon Dreisaitl that, and your fan base that, you're a team that wants to win and you're in the mix and that you have faith in your group. But at the same time, you have to remember that, you know, there's a bigger picture involved here. And I think that's what Ken Holland has managed really well. And I think next year is the year that the Oilers are really in that position to go do something. Yeah. I look at the, the prospects, the guys that don't want to trade, of course, Bouchard, uh, Broberg, Samorakoff, uh, I think Ryan McLeod, uh, obviously Holloway, th- those would be the main ones. The thing about Bakersfield, really, um, they only have one defenseman who's on a contract on an NHL deal. That's young uh, Marcus Niemelainen. And I don't think he's that close to playing in the NHL. And mm-hmm. Ryan McLeod up front. I'm, Marody and Benson have unreal numbers in the NHL. I'm not sure if they have NHL foot speed uh, other than to be fourth liners right now. So that's going to be the challenge. For well, them hey, I, I wanted to make a point, too, about some of the AHL numbers this year. And, and this was brought to my attention yesterday uh, on Thursday after I wrote a story about the NHL and CHL transfer agreement that's up at the end of this year. A lot of people are looking at the AHL differently this year because of the taxi squads that some of these numbers may be inflated, particularly oh, for guys that have experience uh, playing in the AHL previously. It's a little bit of, you could call it an easier league or more of a prospect league. And totally. so these guys that are you know, so-called hardened pros that have been in the league for a little while, they're going to be able to find some more success easily, easier or easily, more easily. If that's uh, if I could spit the words out. And I think they're in a position where, you know, maybe some of those numbers are inflated, but either way, you know, I'm not sure that I was expecting that kind of production from Cooper Marodi or, you know, and Tyler Benson's always kind of been that consistent scorer, but you know, the numbers all around in Bakersfield are good. And I got to tell you, like, I'm looking at Stuart Skinner too. And I'm saying, huh, what, what does that mean for the Oilers moving forward? Well, you know what Edmonton desperately needs. Cause if you look at teams who win the Stanley cup, the vast majority of them develop their own goaltenders. You just mm-hmm. go th- back through the last decade. Like how many goalies on teams who won the cup weren't drafted by that team. Right. Like, uh, you know, even if you go back to Tuka Rask, I know he got traded super early in his development f- from Toronto, a trade that the, the Maple Leaf fans still uh, don't like many years later, but mm-hmm. you know, and, and he didn't even win. It was Tim Thomas. So you look at, it's just so rare to get a goalie for, you can get a good free agent goalie, but does it win you a, a championship? And that's something to follow. The owners have three young goalies. We'll see if any of them pan out here in the next few years. Now the Winnipeg jets, I, I saw the jets last night, Entire team, man. I really like their top six. Uh, they're very good. There's no question about it. I love Lowry as a third line center. They need another defenseman. And yep. like you look at, at Savard, but Columbus is now two points out of a playoff spot. And I think they're going to catch Chicago. Chicago's coming back down to earth here a little bit. Uh, you know, they had an unreal start, but just without Taves. And although Doc's coming, maybe, but I don't think they're going to do it. So I look at Savard and I look at Matias Ekholm and Nashville. The thing is, if you're going to acquire Matias Ekholm, he's got another year on his deal, Frank. Like, it's going to cost you a lot. And, and Shevel Dayoff historically has been very patient, right? He's, he hasn't jumped in. Like he obviously made the line a for Dubois trade, but that, you know, that's a pretty good player that they're coming back. What do you think the jets make a significant upgrade on their blue line? I think they're going to try now, whether they pull the trigger or not, is a different story, but with a couple of those guys out there. And, and I wrote this too earlier in the week, uh, just sorting out the buyers and sellers. I even wonder about one of the teams that I included uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, like the way that their week has gone uh, 
the way that uh, the Boston Bruins and that division has shaped up, the Pittsburgh Penguins are playing better. Do you still, are you still a firm buyer? Uh, so that remains to be seen, but you know, you mentioned the jets and, and they're a team that I think they're in that window to win. I don't think there's any question about that. And anytime you have Connor Hellebuck uh, playing the way that he has, uh, I think you've got a shot. And so they really, they're missing that stop valve, that, that shutoff valve in their own zone where sometimes they get pinned in there for, 30, 40, 50 seconds, and they need someone that can break up the cycle and get the puck moving the other way. Eckholm and Savard would fit that bill, but I think this year the Jets, you know, it, it all depends on where you're at. There's some teams that prefer the rental, some teams that prefer the term, and I think in most years, most people would prefer the term, but this year in particular with an expansion draft coming with so many other things happening cap-wise, a lot of teams would prefer the rental. And I think the Jets are in that group. And, and to me, Savard would be an absolute perfect fit. Like you could not draw it up any better in terms of what he brings, how difficult he is to play against, his size, his strength, his playoff experience. And then you're dealing with a cap number that could really be manageable. So for me, if I were to circle a player for the Winnipeg Jets, it would be David Savard. Now the question is, and you hit on, you hit it on the head, is are the Columbus Blue Jackets going to fall out of the race? Yeah, I don't think so. I happen to think the Dallas Stars are the team that's in the driver's seat for that fourth and final spot in the Central. Another team that's not in sell mode, they're three weeks, four weeks away from getting Ben Bishop and Tyler Sagan back. And if they could just hang on until then, I know their schedule is murderous. Like if you look at it on a calendar, it's insane. They have four games in six days pretty much the entire rest of the season. So they've got a lot of work to do, but I I think numbers wise games in hand runway uh, it's going to be difficult, but the stars aren't in sell mode. If they, if they have a couple bad weeks, there's going to be teams calling about Jamie Alexiak. They're going to be calling about um, uh, Andrew Cogliano. They could be calling about Blake Como. So those are three names to watch, but I think if the stars are close and the price is right, that they could actually be in a position to add and not subtract. So um, they're one of those teams uh, on our write-up on the trade bait this week. That's in the neutral category, not buyers, not sellers at the moment. They're just kind of there. And there's a lot of, lot more teams than usual that are like, well, we'll see what happens. Like we, there's no need to make a decision right now. Let's see where things shake out. Well, the interesting thing for me about that division is Tampa Bay is going to get Kucherov back at some point. That's like a massive trade deadline acquisition. And so if you're Florida or Carolina and you're really good teams, so, you know, Carolina, Tampa, Florida, you're going to have to beat two of those other teams to get out of your division, right? You know, unless you're lucky and you finish first. And right now, you know, even Tampa is not a lock to finish first. I'm I'm kind of curious about what Carolina does. They've, They've got a very deep, team so they don't have any glaring weaknesses but when you look at what tampa bay did last year and you know they brought in barkley goudreau and they bought in blake coleman and not big names but just good guys to add and and fill out their roster you know that really helped that team uh in in the playoffs at certain times their top gunners were still their guys who led them offensively but like carolina to me is a fascinating team because they've got a lot of pieces but they're in a really tough division right now with those three teams. And I wonder if, if that forces Waddell to be a bit more patient and maybe, uh, you know, wait to see what Tampa does this off season when they have to unload some guys. I don't think that's in their DNA. Um, look, Carolina is in a long competitive window where they're just hoping to get as many kicks at the can as possible. And they're going to be there for a while. So I don't think they're going to be selling off very many future assets. But what I like about Carolina, first off, I love their team. I love their coach, who, by the way, needs a new contract. And I, I love the fact that their staff with Don Waddell, with Eric Tolsky, with some of the others that they have assembled, that they're willing to be creative and perhaps tinker a little bit more than most to make their team better. And, and that's whether it's now whether it's at the deadline, in the offseason, whatever it is, they're not afraid to make changes. You know, I think Don Waddell would trade, you know, just about any player if the deal's right. And there's not many GMs that operate that way. And you think back to last year's deadline, 
And they were one of the big players. You know, I think it gets lost in the shuffle because we had the pandemic that came right after, but they traded a couple first round picks. Um, you know, certainly they got Brady Shea, they got Sammy Vatnin, and then they got Vincent Trocek. So they moved a lot last year at the deadline. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them tinker again. I, I think they're interested and in dialogue and in conversation with lots of different teams about lots of different possibilities, but why not? I mean, like you're in that division with Tampa Bay, but give them a seven game series. Like the way that team has played, how difficult they are to play against. I, I think they could give Tampa a run for their money and they've shown that this year in their division it's the other team, Florida, that I, I just don't know where you go. How, you know, do you think you can knock off both Carolina and Tampa if that's what your schedule dictates? I'm not sure that's the case or that's possible. So uh, lots to think about in Florida, and it's a little bit of a different situation than Carolina. Well, I do wonder, though, if both Florida and Carolina look and say, we got to add at the deadline because if we finish first, that's a massive advantage, right? Now you only have to face one of those other teams. I think first place in that division right now, first place in most divisions, but this year, maybe more than ever, they're seeing what I've liked about the, the new format this year. It's really separated. It's clear in every division who the top three teams are for the mm -hmm. most part, the East, you know, maybe it splits out to four or five, but you know, you're, you're seeing that separation because they're playing each other more often. There, there's not the, the surprise factor. Maybe of seeing a team that you haven't seen in five months or, or the fatigue factor. Cause usually if you're tired, the guys in your division for the most part are tired. Other than that one week where, you know, a team gets four days off for the most part, you know, lots of teams are playing, you know, three and four at different times of the month. So I've really, liked how it's kind of separated uh, every division. We know who the bottom few teams are. It's pretty clear. And, and those are the ones who could sell. I'm just not sure how many valuable assets there are on those teams. Well, I, I think there's a few on each team, like Detroit, you've got Luke Lendenning, you've got Mark Stahl, um, Jonathan Bernier, I think is going to be the top goalie on the market. Uh, the Sabres is pretty clear with Taylor Hall. I think Colin Miller is an underrated deadline ad on defense. Brandon Montour can skate. New Jersey, you've got a ton. But it, it's the teams that are kind of in that middle ground that are the neutral teams that have made it a little bit less interesting. Like the Rangers, they're not, I don't think they're going to be buying or selling. Uh, you've got, you know, the Dallas Stars, they're in that same group that we just talked about. Um, you know, Calgary is another team, probably not buying or selling. They made their big move with the coaching change. I can't, you know, given where they are numbers wise in the standings, I, I can't imagine that they're going to chase uh, and make a big blow up move at this point. You know, if they're going to reshape their core, it would probably be in the off season. And, and so you've got that sort of like soft soupy middle ground. And, you know, the other part, you know, you mentioned the format. The other part I don't like is that, by and large, there's not like other than the East, there's not really any super tight, crazy playoff race. Like we talked about the central, there's some work to do for Dallas and Columbus to get back in it. And we'll see if they can. I think they can because Chicago has been playing at a 400, 350 pace for the last couple of weeks, but East is interesting. The West, not so much. There's a clear line, I believe between St. Louis and LA and in the North, same thing. I think you're kind of defined at this point with your four playoff teams, Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Montreal Calgary's in that next rung down and can they climb back into it? We'll see, but the playoff races really haven't been that interesting. Yeah. There it's, it's more going to be for the seating and, and who plays who that there's no question about that. So let's go to the West and man, Vegas is dominant. How about this? They haven't lost a game in regulation when they score first They're 16 Oh, and one, like I know scoring first is important, but man, for Vegas, it's almost, Oh, let's take a shot. We can uh, pretty much uh, wrap it up. We're going to win the game. That's amazing stat to me out of Vegas is, is Colorado. So, like Colorado. I know that they've, they've had injuries at different times, but Tons of injuries. Yeah. Like, does that allow them to be patient or is like, there's only so many kicks at the cat, Frank. And uh, like, you know, San Jose probably was a great, like they were the best regular season team for 15 years. Right. And they only ever got to one cup final and only got to the conference final. I think uh, two other occasions. Like I just look at Colorado, you know, they, they've got a lot of good players. 
but they're just this year. There seems like when I watch the abs, like there's some nights like last night, they absolutely dominated Minnesota. Who's been playing very well. Mm-hmm. And then other nights, you know, they're, they're barely scraping by San Jose. They're losing to Anaheim. The abs to me of all the, the top teams are the most Jekyll and Hyde this year. I think that's fair. They've been inconsistent. I don't think anyone in Colorado's organization would argue that, but I mean, their injuries, like the players that you've peeled off of that roster, whether it's for one game or four games, you know, you take Nathan McKinnon out for four, you take Kale McCarr out for nine games. He's missed or 12 games. He's missed, you know um, they've had a bunch of guys that have just not been there. And, and that's, really difficult. So, um, you know, there's like Kale McCarr has been a point per game player in the NHL this season, 14 points in 16 games, but you take him out of the mix for a bit, then everyone else suffers. Sam Gerrard has missed two games. So I want to see that team when it's fully healthy. Eric Johnson is obviously out, uh, and has been out, uh, week to week, you know, their, their goaltending situation has been in flux. They've had to ride, Philip Grubauer for a long time. Uh, Grubauer's played 24 out of their 29 games this year, and his numbers are actually remarkably good, 925 save percentage considering that. But still, I'm going to reserve judgment on Colorado until they're completely healthy. And until then, um, you know. Like I think I, Bernier's I th- a fit there, Frank, simply because Grubauer historically – Teams, if you overuse your goaltender in the regular season outside of Vasilevsky, they haven't had success come playoff time lately. You know, Holtby, uh, you know, kind of lost his job temporarily, didn't even start the playoffs, then went on a run. Flurry yeah. and Murray switched it. Bennington didn't even come to the NHL till halfway through. Like, I think if I'm Colorado, like, it's rare that we see goaltenders get dealt at the deadline that are impact guys, but I think Bernier to me is a perfect fit for that organization because they, like, they just, they can't keep running Grubauer, especially in a condensed schedule. I think they'll burn him out before the playoffs. Not only that, but they know Bernier. He played a year there, 17-18. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they know what he's like. His numbers were good that year. And he's been so good this year for the Red Wings. He has eight of their nine wins. Um, you know, his numbers are good on a bad team. And so his cap hits manageable. He's a pending UFA. Like what, why not Jonathan Bernier? You know, I, I would take a flyer on Bernier long before I would Devin Dubnik. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I've watched a lot of the sharks games and uh, Doobie's been either really good or some nights uh, not so good at all. Um, Vegas, they've got a lot. I'm not sure. They need like, a center. I still think if, if they could add like a legit score, that would really help their team. I'm not sure there's out there. But the Islanders, like the, the one match made in heaven that just seems obvious because of cap space and the injury to Anders Lee is Hall going to to, to Long Island because like Anders Lee, it was a, that's a huge blow yeah. for that team who's playing well. And, um, you know, Lou, historically, he, he knows how, how important it is. And, uh, you know, they've talked about their culture there in Long Island. And, you know, mm-hmm. they Trotz has got them playing well. That division, I think, is there's no, like, Washington's not the dominant cup team. Pittsburgh's not the dominant cup team. I it's think the up Islanders almost, they're, they're have at, to look at Hall. They have as good a shot to win that yeah. division as anyone. Um, and the way they play defense and the way Barry Trotz has them, has them going, like, I, you know, he's right there for coach of the year for me again. Um, you just want to see Hall and Eberle together again, don't you? Uh, well, I don't, I'm not even sure they play in the same line. I, Hall would probably play Barzell though. Just, just hanging out together though. You just want to see them reunited. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's funny Frank, I'm probably like the one guy who, uh, well, it's usually like when I, cause people, they get emotionally attached to players and they want them to come back to their team. And I'm like, dude, I always make the joke. How many people get divorced who get back together and it works out, right? Like when you break up with your girlfriend, you break up with your boyfriend, never works out. You, and then three months later, you're like, you see them out. And, oh, well, Hey, let's get, cause you only remember the good stuff. You don't remember the reason you broke up. And so, and then now Hall and Everly, it's a little bit different because they never played in long Island. You know, they played in Edmonton t- together for a long time. And they but, also didn't make the decision to break no, up, right? That's true. So um, the, the benefit for Lou is he could go to Eberly and ask him everything he needs to know about Taylor Hall, right? Yep. So uh, they'd probably give him a, a fairly accurate assessment of, of who he is. And I, I still don't understand for the life of me why the Buffalo Sabres in any world would consider re-signing Taylor Hall. It does. Why it would makes Hall consider it? 
knows well i get a hall's perspective is he doesn't want to keep moving around he wants to set down roots but go somewhere and increase your value the stink of buffalo is wafting over every player on that team it's actually hard to evaluate guys how much of an impact can a colin miller or a brandon montour because the team is so bad so for me i you know i'd want to get out of there as soon as possible you know put aside the security Go somewhere and increase your value. Play well in the playoffs. Make a name for yourself again. Get back to that Hart Trophy level if it exists, if you can get back there and and make a statement on a good team and go into the summer feeling good about yourself and your situation. You know, I, I And then you bring it to the fact, what, it, what sense does it make for the Sabres? Where are they going? Why, like, why do you need to re-sign Taylor Hall at a big ticket for a team that's nowhere close to competing like, and hamstring yourself with another contract that makes no sense. I don't get it at all. Recoup assets. And if let's say you love Taylor Hall, you think he's a centerpiece to your franchise, resign him in the summer. You don't need him now. Oh, I'd agree wholeheartedly. I, I think if I'm Taylor Hall though, I think just mentally he's got to go to a franchise that's just a stable franchise. You look at the franchises he's played for when he went to them, they've all been bad franchises. Edmonton was a tire fire for a long time. New Jersey wasn't very good. Arizona, we saw Katie Strang's uh, article about them. So, you know, in Buffalo now, you just go to a stable organization. And um, when you've made that much money, you you can afford to, to go on a short-term deal, a little bit lower money. And, and go there and win and have fun and just kind of be in a stable organization. I think that's what he needs to do. And uh, that would help him uh, for sure. But you got to think teams would be looking at him. The problem is even if Buffalo eats half his salary, it's still a big, it's, you know, it's still $4 million in an actual, uh, not an actual money, but $4 million in what his salary is. So that'll be challenging. But now, but the Islanders to- have that space now. Oh, no, though, they do with, with yeah. Lee. And I'll tell you who was disappointed by that Lee injury aside from the Islanders and the Lee camp is the Chicago Blackhawks, a team that is actively involved in discussions with teams about being that broker to help get deals done at the deadline with their cap space. The, they were looking at the Islanders as one of those teams that they were going to need to help because the Islanders didn't have any space before no. the Lee injury. They had nothing. And now they're in a position where they don't need any help with LTIR. They can just fit in upwards of $7 million that they need. Yeah. Well, you look at uh, possible three-way deals involving Chicago taking say, I'll be curious how the NHL monitors that. There's nothing that says you can't do it, but no, they, well, look, it's perfectly legal. The Toronto yep. Maple Leafs did it last year. They got a fifth round pick in exchange for helping that Leonard deal go through. You think of the Leafs as a team with no cap space. They utilized what little they had left to essentially buy a fifth round pick for, I think it was $254,000. Yep. That's what they ate in terms of the Leonard deal. So Leonard went from Chicago to Toronto, and then to Vegas and now the Leafs are in a position where they're asking teams now including Chicago are you interested in helping us broker a deal if we need it so if a fifth rounder was two hundred and fifty four thousand dollars in cap space so does it is it go up by increments of 250 is it if you're eating 750 is it a third rounder I'll be curious to see what it, they because no, there's not it, really a market for that well there's nothing defined but you know incrementally uh, as you go up you know, a, f- a first round pick isn't going to be worth five times that it's, it might be worth 10 or, or yeah, whatever yeah. that is. You, you know, you think back to the Carolina hurricanes, essentially buying a first round pick to Patty eat Marlo. the Patrick Marlowe deal. Right. So I think a couple things have changed. I know that's what the Leafs were asking around about. Would you help us broker a deal for a fifth round pick? And my belief is with the financial constraints this year, that that cost has gone up a bit. Oh yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, I don't think it's the same as last season because at last season they're at the time of the trade deadline. Uh, no one was even no thinking pandemic, right. about COVID. Now, speaking of teams playing bad, Frank, and I know it's only one game, but the New York Rangers coach isn't on the bench and they absolutely spank the flyers. Like it was nine, nothing after they mauled minutes. them. Like it wasn't, I was watching that game and I was just like, Oh my goodness. Like, you know, it's the old Rocky meme, throw in the towel. Cause <laughs> it was just like 40 minutes of nine, nothing. That was crazy. And Zabana Jad, it was just like every shift in the second period he's scoring, but maybe that was just one, but I do, I do wonder if there's something there, like t- for a team to play that well, without their coach, like me, I got to see how the Rangers respond here. But if all of a sudden their next few games, like I'm just kind of like, Hmm, it, it just makes me wonder if uh, where there's uh, smoke, there's fire. 
Yeah. It raised an eyebrow for me for sure. And I think there were some rumblings about David Quinn before um, this, before the coaching staff had COVID-19 or there was some contact tracing or whatever was required for them to miss these number of games. I think a lot of people were asking questions about whether David Quinn was in trouble just because the Rangers went through such a listless stretch this year. And in fact, they were saved a couple games by playing a team like the Buffalo Sabres where they kind of got out of the mix uh, and started to look and play a little bit better. But, you know, for me, if I'm working in Ranger management, I'm looking at these couple games this weekend, how they play under Chris Knobloch, who has gotten rave reviews for guys that have played uh, under him, you know, how energized is this team? You know, you could put aside the nine, nothing cause that never happens. And the flyers were so inexplicably bad that, you know, I don't, that wasn't exactly a nine, nothing game. Every single bounce went in for the New York Rangers. That, that never happens, but I couldn't help but wonder and see how energized that team was. And if that continues, you know, Does making a coaching change, you you never want to have the inmates run the asylum, but does making a coaching change put the Rangers in a better position to take that next step more quickly? Because they were all as competitive as they've been this year. I think they were all hoping they'd be in sort of the next rung up in terms of the competitive level. They've been better of late, but I think there's still more that they can get to. And I think David Quinn has developed a reputation as – I don't know if hard ass is the right word, but a guy who is willing to sit players for bad shifts, there's not a lot of rope with David Quinn. And if, you know, it's one bad shift, you're sitting on the bench, three bad shifts, you're a healthy scratch the next game. These are professionals that have played, you know, a few hundred games in the NHL. That's, it's not, you don't treat players that way. And so I think they've been upset about that. Every coach has its own style, his own style. And I think, you know, if you get any sort of coaching change, even if it's just for a couple games, people get excited. Uh, Players always get excited with a coaching change. So we'll see. uh, We'll see what happens there. But that's on my radar 100%. What about Tony D'Angelo? It seems like uh, any talks have uh, pretty much evaporated. Nothing new. They tried to get him somewhere on an AHL loan. Um, I just... I don't see anything happening there unless there's a decimating injury to a contender. So uh, a likely buyout at a third of the price come summertime. Yep. Because he's under 26 third of the price, which makes it easy. And and that's also what's made this deal difficult is you're dealing with one of the few NHL teams that is so financially sound that they can say, Hey pal, go sit on your thumb for the rest of the year. Um, You know, we have no problem eating this 4.8 million. And by the way, because we can buy you out for one third, you know, we're going to be really careful about how we handle this transaction money wise. They're only willing to eat whatever that buyout cost uh, if they retain salary, because they don't want to get stuck with more than that following into the next season. Now let's get to uh, our buy and sell as we bring in uh, uh, producer Tyler. Ty, how you doing, my man? I am good, Jason. I am good. I'm excited for another edition of Buy or Sell. I got some good questions ready to go. Uh, as always, Buy and Sell brought to you by Jock Market, jockmkt.com. If you're down in the States, it is live. And you guys were talking about that Rangers beatdown on the Flyers. In that game, Mika Zabinijad stock started at $4 and the final payout was $25. Can you imagine if you bought 10 shares of Mika Zabinijad before that game? That's over... I think the number 602% is how much it went up. Also, another one that caught my eye. They sent me some numbers uh, from their contests uh, the other night. When Tyson Berry had his four points against the Calgary Flames, his share price was $1.79 to start. It paid out at $16. So uh, there's some money to be made over with our friends at Jock Market. If you're down in the States, you can find their app on whatever app store you use. And if you use the promo code DFO20, you get a $20 deposit bonus. Boom. You'd be, uh, you, you put in that deposit, you're using Barry and Zabanajad, and you are walking oof. away big money right there. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Let's get to the first question. And this one comes from our Instagram at Devonism16 on Instagram. He says John Tortorella will be the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets next season. Frank, are you buying or selling on Torts sticking around in CBJ? Selling. I think they're happy with how he's helped that franchise get on the map. I mean, before Yarmo Kekalainen and John Tortorella, the Blue Jackets were a perennial joke. And I think they're appreciative of that. 
But the fact that he didn't sign an extension before the season, you know, there's some question as to whether the Blue Jackets weren't able to financially with the pandemic or Torts didn't want to. I don't know the real answer there, but the way this season has played out, really disappointing for a team that I thought as competitive as they've been and as competitive as they were last year should have been an easy top four playoff team in that division, and it hasn't happened. Oh, I'm selling all day long on that one. I think uh, Tortorella, he's, he's had a great run in Columbus. Lots of good coaches end up, they just need a change of pace. It's been the same voice there for a long, long time. And, you know, you, you got line A you want to resign. You've got Seth Jones coming up. I just think they're going to need to make a change. And I think they've got a roster that's attractive where, you know, obviously every job coaches want, but let's be honest, you're a free agent coach. Hmm. Can I go to Buffalo or can I go to Columbus? Like the, it's night and day. And so the openings that are there, I think Columbus, any coach you, you go after who's available will be highly interested. There's a lot of really good players on that roster. Number two, guys, I'm itching for a deal. I want to see a big trade. So number two, we will see our first significant trade by next Friday's episode of the DFO Rundown. Gregor, you think we get a deal in the next seven days here? Yeah, sadly, I'm selling on that. And I love trades. I'd love to see it prematurely. I could see why it makes sense. You know, uh, the caveat I'll say is maybe Toronto because of uh, like, I thought Toronto, if they were going to do the trade, it would be now they've only, they're only playing two games in 10 days. Like now, you know, they could have got the quarantine done, but uh, it hasn't happened. So I'm going to say no, only because of, you know, I just think that the Leafs kind of missed their window and teams are going to wait. Uh, they're going to wait as long as they can, just because that saves them having to take on the money of the player they acquire. There's no caveats here. What are you talking about? I'm buying. <laughs> like, there's going to be a trade in the next week, I think. If it's not the Leafs, it's going to be someone else. The quarantine's in play. I think everyone's curious to see whether the quarantine changes. I reported again on Thursday that the NHL is awaiting word from the Canadian federal government if they can knock it down from 14 days to seven. We'll see if that happens or not. But still, I think everyone's looking at the calendar here saying, if I'm going to pull the trigger and if I'm going to spend these assets, I might as well get a few extra games out of these guys. And I think they're going to, I think we're going to see a trade over the next week. And on that note, Frank, like it's, as a Canadian, just grab some common sense here, people. Seven days, and it's not I'm trying to look for favoritism for the NHL. These guys are getting tested. like They're getting tested every day, and they I might know, also like, be vaccinated. It, yeah. it actually makes no logical sense. No. Like, we're throwing logic out the window. Not like, I don't have an MD. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a virologist. But this is insane. They're getting yeah, tested every day, and if they're flying privately from one destination to another, from their hermetically sealed bubble to another, then they're in a position where at some point in those seven days, if you are positive and you have COVID that it will show up in those seven days. And if not, totally. let them free into their own cohort. Yeah, I agree. Getting fired up there. Uh, number three, you guys danced around this a little bit earlier on, but I'm saying David Savard will be a Winnipeg jet by the trade deadline. Frank, are you buying or selling? Hmm. Yeah, making you give me a firm answer. It's hard. I'm going to buy. I, I think that's the one guy that just makes perfect sense for them. I don't know what the cost is. I don't even know what the cost to re-sign him is. I, I think it's probably something that the Jets could afford if they'd want to. And I, you know, there's no doubt that they've, I think they've been scouting uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Their AGM, Larry Simmons, has certainly been at games. I think Savard makes too much sense and is such a good fit. I'm going to buy that he is a jet a few weeks ago i would have bought this but i'm going to sell i think chicago is, has come back columbus is now within two points as we speak today of getting in that playoff race and i just think dallas is going to run out of gas by playing so many games and columbus i think they'll have confidence in themselves you get in the playoffs and, and anything can happen as they proved last year so i uh, so i'm going to sell i think david savard stays with columbus because by the 12th i think they'll be in a playoff spot so real quick though if you're yarmo kekalainen and which of those teams ahead of you in the central are you beating if you're finishing in the fourth spot you're likely to face tampa you've already gone through a couple years where you went sort of all in so to speak you lost a bunch of free agents that walked at the end of the year they don't they haven't had any discussions with david savard to this point on re-signing him can you honestly make the argument that Savard and Nick Foligno make sense to keep just in case you get in? No, it's a good argument. Uh, I just teams teams historically have never kind of thrown up the white flag 
to their team if they think they're close and if they're in a playoff spot. So it's because they're in a playoff spot. Had they been even three, four points out, then I think they would have made the deal, but I don't think they will. The other thing about Savar that's interesting, Frank, like look at how many pending uh, UFAs haven't had any negotiations with teams. Like I, I, I'm, I think this is the flat cap. I think we're going to see shorter terms than we ever have in the off season. People are always worried about oh, overpaying because that's usually where you do it in free agency. I think we might actually have some spending restraint this off season. Number four in buy and sell the LA Kings. They are just three points back of the St. Louis blues in that Western playoff race. They also have a game in hand. So if they win it, they could be only a point back. I'm going to say Todd McClellan and the LA Kings find a way to get hot and sneak into the playoffs. Gregor, are you buying or selling? You know, what's funny. Cause that's the one team I know Frank was talking about the playoff races, you know, LA has, they've found their way to stay in that race. They've gotten good goaltending from uh, Cal Peterson when he's in drew Doughty and, and Anze Kopitar drinking from the fountain of youth this year, same with Dustin Brown. So they've got that veteran leadership. They've got some young kids and something just seems amiss in Chicago, in, uh, in St. Louis this year. Um, and if, yeah, how about their reason, injury report? Yeah, no, that's true. But they've also just been horrific at home, right? Like, it's kind of weird. I know there's no crowds. Well, at least there's just started to be some. But I don't know if L.A. makes it. But I think I think L.A. is a team that, that won't make a big splash. But I think they're going to try to add a little piece. That they've got tons of prospect, tons of really good prospects. I think they can afford to give up a second or a third round pick to, to kind of just add some juice to their team at the deadline. I don't think they make it, but I think I think L.A. does make a trade to try to boost their team at the deadline sell all day long. No, like I don't see any chance that this happens and I'm happy for you to record this and play it again at a later date. <laughs> St. Louis blues just got Tarasenko back. Think of all the guys that have been out of their lineup, Barbashev, Robert Thomas, Colton Pareko, Jaden Schwartz, go down the list. It's been insane. That team has dealt with more injuries than almost any other. And yet they're still squarely in the mix. I, I, I think the blues are going to get these guys back and if they can all stay together for a few games, they're going to take off. I think the Blues actually finish potentially ahead of the Minnesota Wild in that third spot. And that's the way I see it shaping up. And I don't see any way in which the Los Angeles Kings are adding at the deadline. I think their one goal is to re-sign Alex Iafalo, uh at some point, whether it's now or before he hits free agency. They've been in discussion. But, um, you know, they're in a position where uh, I don't see them adding. They're a neutral team at the deadline, not buying or selling. Last buy or sell question of the week. I talked about him off the top in his performance against the Calgary Flames the other day. But Tyson Berry heard on insider trading. Ken Holland might start some negotiations with him. I'm not sure if there's a fit here next year. I think Tyson Berry might price himself out of the range of the Edmonton Oilers. I'm saying Tyson Berry will not be an Edmonton Oiler next year. Jason, what do you say? Oh man, this is a hot topic in Edmonton. Oh, it fans is. Are fired is up. it ever? All, all, all of a sudden, second assists don't count in the NHL. What a ridiculous statement. cheesy apples. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, see, here's the thing: Tyson Berry, in the last eight years in the NHL, is the seventh highest scoring defenseman in the league. He's been an elite point producer everywhere he goes, and now he's he's teamed up in Edmonton with the best two scores in the league. So of course, like he's an elite offensive guy. I get that he's not great defensively, so I'm not going to pay him. But if I could get Tyson Berry at three years between five to five point five million. I would sign that for Edmonton because you, because now you're, it's all about term for me. So I do think there's a fit here. I don't know Tyson Berry well enough to say, is he looking for a big payday? He's made good money, but in a flat cap, are teams going to suddenly grossly overpay him? I don't think so. So I think there is a fit for the Edmonton Oilers, um, but it depends on term. It's really the term. Even if even if I had to squeeze up to six, I wouldn't love it. But if I got on a three-year deal, I would do. I would punch that ticket if I'm Ken Holland because Tyson Berry has been proven for years to be an elite puck-moving defenseman. 100% agree. I think he's fit like a glove. I've always thought that Tyson Barry would fit like a glove going back to when he was, um, you know, available for trade from the Colorado Avalanche. He was a guy that, you know, you, you hit, you hit everything right on the head, elite point producer, exactly what they needed on their power play, you know, fits so well with the scores that they have. Uh, and he's got his confidence back. That was the biggest thing. That was my question mark. The only question mark for me with Tyson Barry was, could he find a way to get that confidence back? And he has, and I think he just doesn't make any sense when someone fits, he's young enough. Um, 
you know, term is going to be everything, but I think he stays. There you go. That is another edition of Buy or Sell brought to you by Jock Market. Check them out, jockmkt.com. It's launching soon in Canada, but if you're down in the States, download it wherever you get your apps from. Promo code DFO20 gets you that $20 deposit bonus. It's awesome. Thanks, Ty. And uh, that's a lot of fun, man. You just, if you can get on the stocks on a guy who you think is going to have a big night, it's really worth it. It's a banage ad going from like four bucks up to 20. That's a huge hit. Uh, Frank, lots of, uh, we got a lot to, uh, to discuss this week. I look forward to next Friday because every week it gets closer. I think we get a, you know, another three games in some cases, four for some teams out of the way, and we'll find out uh, who's legitimately needing it. And the other wild card in all of this is if a team gets a major injury here in the next few weeks, Mm -hmm. it's a contender that changes everything and maybe suddenly they become more of a buyer so uh, we'll look forward to that have a great weekend we'll talk to you monday sounds good have a good weekend thanks for listening to the dfo rundown with sarah volley and gregor keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.